been munching on. That's that's why I told you. Cause <gasps> Sam. Hi. 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 What, what are you munching on? Um, I've got these things called smart sweets. And um they don't have sugar. It's basically a prebiotic, so it's basically like a supplement sort of, but but it's candy. Um <laughs> and it's whoa, I'm looking at how many carbohydrates are in it. Oh, that's rough. Uh-oh. I wrecked myself. Yeah, I didn't know it had that many carbs. Oh man, did is it still more carbs comparable to uh, a legit snack? Oh well, for for me, it's really high because I think it's because of the kind that it is. I didn't look. It's got 24 grams of carbohydrates per serving, and I think I had like four servings yesterday. <laughs> and how many do you want to be within? Oh, I try. I mean, my goal when I was, you know, pre-COVID, I would eat between 10 and 30 grams of carbohydrates a day. Oh my gosh. But for me, that feels so good for my body. Like when I eat more than that, I mean, sometimes I need to eat more than that because of my hormone cycle, you know, with my period and everything. But if I eat more than that, I literally, like, if there's only one thing that I ever do in my day that's, like, on track, it's carbs. Like, keeping carbohydrates low is my, if I don't do that, I I fall off a cliff emotionally. I, I, I guess I need to know the difference because I feel like I'm, I'm at an aha moment. I remember my dad was uh, uh, diabetic uh, too, and he... Uh, it, that's I believe when you can get it in your later years, correct? You can get you can get diabetes type two, yeah, anytime really. Yep. Okay, so that's what he had, and I remember going to the nutritionist with him. I mean, this was a long time ago. I thought it was between each meal he needed to have. I want to think it was like sixty. The, the numbers are, are escaping me, but we had a hard time giving him that amount of carbs throughout his day. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the nutritionist told him to eat more carbohydrates? That if for each meal, in order to keep his blood sugar level, he needed to eat a certain amount of carbs throughout the day. Wow. Wow. And and I would track it. And this is what, I mean, this is a long time ago, so I don't remember the measurements, but I remember having to take a lot of effort to making sure he would hit that goal and, and he just couldn't. I would portion out his meals. Like when I went to work, I'm like, okay, dad, this is what you need to eat, you know, for breakfast, lunch. And, and he just could not maintain that level. Uh, you know, probably the reason he couldn't maintain it. Honestly, that's some of the worst advice I've ever heard. Um, and I'm not surprised that they gave it to him because when I think about how Western medical people and Western nutritionists work, they're working on the, the food chart, the food pie, the, what do they call that? You know, the thing where you have so many, whatever food pyramid, sure. Food pyramid, like this whole idea. And what she was talking about was maintaining uh, blood sugar levels so that his blood sugar doesn't drop. Mm-hmm. But the reason his blood sugar was dropping is that his pancreas was out of whack. And actually the way that you heal the pancreas, now it doesn't mean you go right into it. You might have to get there. But the the actual medicinal way that you would get there would be to actually lower carbohydrates, increase fat significantly, 
And when I say carbohydrates, I'm talking about like processed carbohydrates and I'm also talking about starchy carbohydrates. So your breads, your pastas, your rices, and then your potatoes, your corn, your carrots, anything like that, any kind of root vegetables, those are the things you wanna get out because those spike blood sugar. So in other words, they make the pancreas work harder and that's what the diabetes thing is all about. It's about an, uh, an imbalance between insulin and sugar and how the body works. So what you actually wanna do is take all the load off the pancreas. You wanna help the pancreas to slow down because basically diabetes too comes from eating too much processed carbohydrates, sugars. Um, Sadie was just saying she likes sweet and, or she likes salty and savory. That's always been my thing. I've never been into sweet. Sweet only happened for me and it's still not that bad when I started eating a higher fat diet. Um, and I don't eat sweets with sugar, but basically when you've lived an entire life, so his blood sugar was probably all out of whack for many decades before he officially became diabetic. Yeah. He probably had high triglycerides. He probably had high blood sugar levels. Um, uh, what you actually want to do is stop the pancreas from having to work so hard because the reason that nothing's working is the pancreas has been overloaded and overworked and it causes all kinds of problems. It causes mental problems. It can cause emotional problems, thinking problems, uh, cloudy mind, um, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff, especially with thinking. The pancreas is really heavily tied to thinking. And the, wow. and the brain works on two kinds of fuels. There's only two possible fuels. Now, people who are trained in Western medicine will tell you the brain only works on glucose, which is sugar. So basically, mm -hmm. almost every food you eat except for fat can be broken down into glucose because that's the food of the brain. Mm -hmm. That's actually what I learned in my Western medical science classes. The only food that the brain uses is glucose. But actually, mm -hmm. that's not true. The brain can use one other kind of food, which is ketone bodies. And the way you produce ketone bodies is by burning fat for fuel. Okay. Okay. And so when you produce ketone bodies, because you're using fat and not carbohydrates, the pancreas doesn't have to work so hard. Your insulin mm -hmm. levels go way down. Your blood sugar levels go way down. But it is a process because it's almost like switching your car from unleaded to diesel. Like it's a whole yeah. other system. So you have to, like we're capable of it from the time we're born, but because we're born in such a time of plenty in terms of carbs, mm -hmm. most people's diets are filled with carbohydrates um, from very early on. So there's so many carbohydrates, our bodies never get the chance to go into a ketone burning state. So we never exercise that system. Oh, okay. Okay. So what she was actually doing was working his pancreas. She was continuing to work his pancreas. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what you're telling me instinctively tells me that his body knew I shouldn't be eating this. And that's mm -hmm. how we can maintain it. And ironically, um, by this time he already had, um, a tumor in his pancreas. Right. Right. I mean, this is the tragedy of Western medical thinking. This is the tragedy of allopathic medicine. And honestly, I, when I first got into this line of medicine, this holistic way of looking at the body that has existed for thousands of years, by the way, and Western medical thinking has only existed for not even 200 years, like 160 years or something. So, so holistic medicine, whether you're talking about Ayurveda or Chinese medicine or whatever, 
it has thousands of years in clinical work ahead of what we in this country consider to be the best medicine. Like we think we know it all. When I tell people, oh yeah, you should take herbs for this or that, they roll their eyes. They think that I'm crazy. Well, if that were true, we would know that. No, actually you wouldn't. <laughs> the rest of the world knows. I used to think that way, right? It's, it's that American idea that we are the best, we know it all, we, we're top, we're number one. And so because of that, we miss out. And that advice that your dad got to me is just tragic. And so many people get that kind of advice. Like, I think I've, I've talked about this before that when I, and I'll, I'm sorry, I'll, I know I'm on a rant here. I'll stop. But when I worked at Disney Cancer Center, um, the woman who was, who ran the program, she was the, the medical doctor, the MD who ran the cancer center there, the holistic center she actually graduated from my school and because mm. she also had an md she just thought she was the shit she you could tell it was all over her the ego and i remember sitting in on the conference when we first joined that practice and she gave us all the rules about what to do and we were not allowed to talk to patients about diet or lifestyle she said we've got that covered that's all a part of our program. You are basically, I'm there as a technician to stick needles in them and that's it, which is not my job. That's not what I'm trained to do. Uh, so right off the bat, I kind of lost respect for her because she was really leaving out so much of what we do as, as holistic doctors. She clearly had no respect for the medicine that she mm -hmm. studied, you know? And um, I remember talking to this patient. She was uh, an African-American woman in her late fifties, early sixties. And you get to know these people week after week as you treat them. And um, it was like my third or fourth month there. And she relayed to me that this was her third time going through chemotherapy and radiation for pancreatic cancer. Oh my God. And I was like, number one, holy crap, I can't believe you're still alive, you know? And then I'm just like looking, at, like I'm looking at her, right? And I'm still a student technically. I'm right at the end of my internship and I'm looking at this woman and I'm like, why do you, why do you keep relapsing back into this? You know, I'm thinking, and my training just told me, talk to her about her diet. And I technically wasn't allowed to do it, but I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit. Like who, who is that going to hurt? You know, to, to ask this woman about what she's eating. This lady was drinking probably 10 to 12 diet sodas a day. Oh, okay. And diet soda and the type she was drinking, it was like diet Pepsi or diet Coke or one of those that has phenylalanine in it, which is a nerve chemical agent. It was developed. I believe if I'm remembering this correctly from, from a class that I took way, 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 way back, it was developed as an agent of war phenylalanine as a nerve agent. To, to cause nerve damage. I think in the Middle East is where they, where the United States or I think it was a European power, it might've been us, developed it. And what they found was that it worked too slowly. And so it was not a, um, it wasn't an effective tool of war. And then somebody figured out that it tasted sweet. And so because we have such shitty regulation because of our food and drug administration, which I'm on a rant now, 
is a joke in this country. It's a joke. It doesn't protect us at all. It protects the, it's like the police protect and serve. They don't protect and serve the citizens. They terrorize the citizens. Mm -hmm. Our food and drug administration protects the food industry. They don't protect us. So unfortunately in this country, unlike European countries and other countries, we are allowed to put dyes and chemicals into our food and then we can just buy it. Like it's no, we think, oh, it's safe because the FDA approved it, like it's allowed. So they started putting phenylalanine as a sweetener replacement in foods. And everybody who wants to be healthy and quote unquote lose weight, right? Because we see weight as health in this country, which is also not true. Um, they started downing phenylalanine. And not, not only does it increase insulin levels, we have found, it's also a nerve agent. It damages the nerves in the body. So I can't tell you how many patients I have. There's one woman in, in LA that I treated who is a hairdresser, very successful, 35 years in business, had high level clientele, put her son through UCLA, takes care of her parents, maintains a place near Beverly Hills, like amazing woman works her butt off and she started coming to me because she had all this leg pain and she had all this wrist pain and she'd done everything and I was working on her but I could tell we weren't making progress enough so I I started to ask her questions about her diet sure enough she's drinking diet coke like it's going out of style all day long and we worked on it for two years it took me two years to talk her out of drinking it and every time I would tell her what it's doing to her body I told her the same story I told you she finally stopped drinking it guess what because um we I do have um I, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second I do have somebody who I've been communicating with who wants me to to give a, a, a throw a question your your way okay. she was has been in several accidents the the biggest accident put her uh, in 2.37 million dollars worth of medical bills um she's good now she is uh she will ride motorcycle again one day but she has neuropathy in both of her feet she has heard other people mention you and she's heard you discuss it um that chinese medicine is is um is helpful so is it the acupuncture is it in correlation with diet of course i think it's in correlation with diet um you would say to her absolutely you would need to to talk to her and and how what would that look like you you meeting with somebody who says i have neuropathy in my feet what can you help me with right uh, okay, so I'm going to address that. Someone just asked because I realized I didn't finish the sentence. They said, what happened when she stopped? When she stopped drinking the soda, uh, her wrist pain basically went away and her leg pain basically went away. I would help her with acupuncture, but because she was poisoning her body every day, I can't, I can't outrun poison that you put in your body every day. So just to answer that question, that's what happened. Uh, she stopped drinking the soda and the pain went away. So um, anyway, so neuropathy. Yeah. So I was thinking about this in the car because you had mentioned that on one of your messages to me this morning. And uh, okay, so the number one most important thing any of us can do more than any medication, any treatment of any kind, uh, if we had no help in the world, it's to change our diets. Now, I don't mean change your diet in terms of anything you're going to read in a magazine anything you're going to see on television or in any kind of corporate sponsored anything. 
And I certainly don't mean change your diet uh, in terms of a nutritionist that you might go see. And I'm not trying to knock nutritionists, okay? I, I have a great deal of respect for nutritionists. They go into that field because they wanna do good. But for the most part, mainstream nutritionists are trained in a way that is about Western thinking. It's about the food pie chart. It's about the food pyramid. It's completely wrong. Those are all based on industry. They're not based on health or historical eating. And when I say historical eating, what I mean is the way that we as a species have developed since the dawn of time. None of that is real. None of it. It's, it's all based on corporate stuff. So diet is the number one thing, including neuropathy, including cancer, including any kind of itis. If you have any kind of itis, any kind of inflammation in the body anywhere. So you have a disease that ends in, in the ending itis. That's inflammation. Any kind of eye issues, sinus issues, ear issues, mood issues, really almost anything. The, the real root cure is food. Okay, now I've heard you discuss a lot about herbs and I'm, uh, I, wouldn't you say that I, I well, I'm going to say it. I feel like herbs are a new understanding for me how just incorporating them in your daily diet uh, can help with the inflammation and and um, the, the the simple path it's just this a great way to start on a healthy path is just incorporating more fresh herbs would you say uh when you say herbs are you talking about things like parsley and cilantro and chives yeah yeah absolutely fresh herbs are amazing i mean the thing that most modern humans specifically americans other countries they they tend to get it because they still have traditional eating around they still listen to their grandmothers and their grandfathers and they still practice things that are passed down it's becoming less and less as you have the coca-cola company and the nestle company and all these other horrible horrible companies taking over the world food supply but you still in other countries, people like if I were to tell them things that I tell other people here, like I tell people this stuff here and they go, whoa, like their minds are blown. They're like, holy cow, I never knew that because we've been completely brainwashed and we don't listen to our elders anymore. And, and our food system has been overtaken by corporations. So yes, fresh herbs, whole foods, healthy fats. These are all things that are healing for the body. Food is medicine, period, period. And it is the most impactful thing you can do. So if we're talking about medicinal herbs, like the kind of things I use, those are a lot like pharmaceuticals. Um, pharmaceuticals are based on medicinal herbs. That's where they get the formulations from. They just take them and they narrow them down to do one specific thing where herbs work on the whole body. But when you look at herbs, whether you're talking about fresh ones or like a, a medicinal formula that I might put together as a quote unquote trained doctor, um, that's something that like, let's say someone is so far out of balance, right? Like they, they come to me and they're pre-diabetic or they're diabetic or they have a, a tumor. I'm gonna get them to change their diet. That's gonna be number one. I mean, I'm gonna try. If they don't do it, there's not much I can do. And I'll tell them that. Like, I understand you, you like eating your potato chips and your you know, whatever it is, um, your soda, and you're not going to change that. I get that. So understand all I can do for you, really, your body might change over with just the herbs and the acupuncture or whatever. But if it doesn't, the only thing I can really do for you is help you to be more comfortable. Um, 
Do you do you consume these herbs in a tea? Um, yeah, there, there's a few ways to consume herbs. In other countries where this medicine is more respected and more understood and more integrated, you can actually get herbal formulas through IV. Like for instance, COVID patients in Korea and China, 90% of COVID patients receive herbs via IV or they're taking oral herbs if they're not you know, in the hospital. But if you're a cancer patient in other countries, you're getting herbs via IV. Um, wow. It's a total, that movie that I talked about, 9,000 Needles, that you can get, I think, on Amazon or probably anywhere else. Y'all should watch that movie, 9,000 Needles. It'll blow your mind. It'll um, blow your mind. Uh, one thing I, I do would, I do would like to start is a, a continuing conversation on, on something like a book or that we can have a shared experience like it, if we can all make a commitment to to have some followers join in sadie if you'd be one of those people you'd be one of my favorite people to ask um if that would interest you um you can join in on a conversation about it laura i'm looking at you a conversation about right what uh, about nine thousand. Oh, oh yeah you guys definitely sure. you should watch it because what the people in the movie learn and what the viewers learn is um i have somebody wanting to go live sorry nicholas i can't go live with you honey i'm on a um i'm on a podcast right now um is is how inept our medical system is and and you know we talked about this the other day i think we talked about the insurance system and how broken it is isn't that us yeah yeah because the insurance system is so broken and so much money goes into that, so much less goes into our medical care. If people really knew what they were missing with holistic medicines and perspectives, people would be in the in the streets. People would be in the streets and they would demand that this be something that is covered for everyone everywhere. I can't tell you the sorrow in my heart, the pain in my heart to know what I know and to know that nobody gets it and nobody has access to it. I hate it. I hate it when I talk to people who are in Indiana, Ohio, Nebraska, um, the Carolinas, um, anywhere in the middle of the country, especially. And they're like, that, you know, that would be such a, a shift in, in the medical field. They wouldn't be able to take it. So it has to be a gradual message that's accepted. That oh. way the, the, the industry can can absorb the influx oh, I of patients. I, I really disagree with you. I what we need is not for the Western medical system to accept us. What we need is leadership in this country. We need a president. We need a vice president. We need a Congress who says, you know what? Who wakes up and says, we need to have a holistic medicine czar, and we need to have people being put in place. At, in these quote-unquote insurance companies, in these um, positions of power to be equal to those voices and to instill the changes because that system is never going to accept us. It's never going to accept us. It's a complete, it's so, it, it's focused on sickness. They are focused on when do you go see the doctor? When do you get treatment? When you are already sick, when your body is so far gone that you have cancer and you need surgery and you need drugs, that is not healthcare. That's not healthcare. I just don't know. When you think of how much money 
of uh, how much of our taxes is devoted towards the industry or moving it, whether it's subsidizing uh, Johnson and Johnson, no matter what it is, so much of our money is poured into that yep. industry. Who who would force the needle in the other well, ta- direction? Taxpayers. I just see taxpayers. We we need to, and I don't know that we will. We have so much on our plate. We have racism. We have sexism. We have a glass ceiling. We have mm. COVID. Like we have culture wars. We have all this stuff. I don't know how we're going to get people focused on it, but we need the taxpayers to demand change from the people who represent them and to say, I don't want my tax dollars to go there. You know, but how does that work in this system? I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't know how to make a change, but the idea of us being integrated and that system accepting us, that's not going to happen. I, I, I'm not trying to be cynical. I just, I've worked in those systems and I have friends who work in those systems and there's no mechanism to do that. There's no mentality to do that. I completely agree. And just being in um, state government as short as I, I, I was, I just don't see any forward movement. And, and I'm trying, I don't want to be cynical. And that's why I don't want to leave this conversation there. But I do want to move the conversation to another great topic. But well, really which quick, is just to finish body. what your friend was saying about sure. neuropathy, because I want to answer that question, is diet is number one. Definitely look at the diet. Look at the diet. And, and my general advice there is drink more water, but make sure it's really high quality water. Make sure it's like spring water, something that has minerals in it. Get rid of the chlorinated water. Don't drink it from your tap. I don't care if you even live in Portland, which has pretty good water. It's got It's got stuff in it. Get that out. Eat more fresh herbs, eat more fresh vegetables, get starches out, get um, especially anything that's root in the ground, get get root, anything that's root. If you're gonna eat root vegetables, make sure they're organic. They, the root vegetables have to be organic. Um, get rid of artificial sweeteners, get rid of them. Get rid of vegetable oils, get rid of them. Stop eating industrial meat. I'm, I'm making a list, I hope somebody's taking notes. Um, and. Uh, eat a lot more high quality fats and focus, focus, focus on diet. Uh, don't try to do everything at once, do it one step at a time. But if you don't have access to acupuncture, herbs, um, Ayurveda, um, a P, um, holistic PT, a holistic chiropractor, if you don't have access to that stuff, start with a diet. If you don't have access to an acupuncturist, get a chiropractor, a good one. There's lots of different kinds. So, all right, that's my advice. Neuropathy. I'm reading. I'm reading Catnip's um, feeds in the in the comments, and um, she's somebody who, hey girl, I gave you my phone number one of these days. I'd like to talk to you about your experiences with acupuncture. So um, I just want to give that little shout out. Um, so I just want to say that for your friend with neuropathy, you- focus on diet, find some kind of holistic practitioner. That's you will see a lot of change with that. A lot, I guarantee it. There's no way you can't. It's impossible not to see it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, finding somebody in person, um, she's in Ohio. I think it would be an easy thing to Google um, for somebody to see a, um, a licensed acupuncturist in her area. Um, Sadie just asked, would you recommend say that? that again? Would yeah. you recommend that uh, in person, touching, feeling, oh, communication? God. Always. Um, yes always yeah because yeah absolutely yep 
absolutely touching feeling. I just want to say, Sadie asked, can you trust things that are listed organic? Let me tell you, in this country, you can trust absolutely nothing that is written on the front of a package. Unfortunately, and this is why diet is so difficult for people, because our FDA is so broken, because the Food and Drug Administration is so broken and so not looking out for consumers, it's looking out for the money makers. Anything on the front of a label you cannot trust. Natural means nothing. Organic, it means something, but it means different things in different places. We now have USDA organic. I believe we have... um, Oh God, there's California organic. Like there's all kinds of different organics now. So what you have to do is actually look those up and see what they mean. Usually they have something to do with sustainable farming, taking care of the soil, swapping crops. Like organic does mean something, but it means different things in different places. Um, I focus less on organic, especially for people who have issues um, purchasing them because they're um, focus more on fresh food, fresh whole food. Obviously, if you can get organic with some things, that's better. Um, But there are also farmers out there who are farming organically, but they can't list organic because you have to spend a lot of money to do that. So there's all, it's very complex. Food is not. Are there there terms that you should stay away from on a label, such as I think low sodium? Uh, I stay away from anything that has a label. Anything that has, cause, cause I don't look at the front of anything. I always look at the back. Like that's why I'm surprised on those treats that I, I didn't look at the back cause they're a different kind. I was like, man, but I always look at the ingredient list. Um, if I am going to buy something with an ingredient list, but I buy, I buy very few things that have ingredient lists and when they do, they're short. I mean, this is very anti-American here. What I'm talking about. This is radical stuff I'm talking about. I, I, I don't know how much we could go off on this subject, but there is such a thing as the nutritional content is devalued once you cut that that cell membrane. I am just, and then the oxidation process begins. How is juicing the best way to get nutrients out of something and into your body? Or maybe, I'm not saying it is the best way, I'm just saying, it just seems to be that this whole trend of juicing i just think they're they're drinking something that is uh nutritionally void okay i'm gonna give you a concept here first before we talk specifically about juicing um because i want to stay as big picture as possible to help as many people as possible one of the problems with western medical allopathic thinking aka not holistic thinking is that we think that there is one one healthy, right? It's like a drug. If you have depression, here's one of four drugs you can take for depression. In, in holistic medicine, we have a concept that is called differentiation. I'm not saying they don't have it in Western medicine, but they very rarely use it to the extent that they should or at all. What differentiation means is that when we look at a person, not a disease, which is what Western medicine also looks at. They look at the disease, not the person. You have to differentiate the person, the lifestyle, the ethnicity, the culture, 
right? Everything about them. What is their nature? I've talked about this on other podcasts before and other lives before. Are you a dry type? Are you a damp type? Are you a cold type? Are you a hot type? Are you a fire type? Are you a mixture of those things? Do you have phlegm? Do you just have damp? Do you have hot phlegm? Do you have cold phlegm? (laughs) Right? There's all these natures to our bodies that we don't recognize. So for some people, juicing might be an amazing therapy that helps them be well. Juicing is more of a medicinal thing. I know people do it as a lifestyle, kind of like how people do raw food as a lifestyle or, um, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here, veganism as a lifestyle or right, fast food as a lifestyle. Anything that's that extreme, whether it makes your health better or worse, is medicinal. It might be poison you're taking. So for some people, juicing might be poison. For other people, juicing might be very, very helpful and effective. Um, let me give you another extreme example of differentiation. I had, I've told this story before. I had a nutrition teacher. He was a really amazing man. And he, the stuff he taught was off the hook. You just don't get this information anywhere else. He stuck with me for the rest of my life. And he walked into class one day after six months of, of teaching us and changing our brains over and getting in there deep and changing the gears. And he said, how many of you would say that eating McDonald's french fries, hamburger, and a, and a milkshake is healthy? <laughs> we were all like looking around like, what kind of ridiculous question is that? You know, We're like, what is this dude asking us? Because we know he doesn't say things for no reason, but it was like a riddle. Like, mm-hmm. we're just like, huh? And he's like, raise your hand if you think that's healthy. And nobody raised their hand, right? And he was like, how do you know that's not healthy? And we were like, because that food is poison. It's filled with shitty fats. It, you know, the meat is industrial. It's got a ton of sugar in it. Like it's overly processed. And he was like, right. But what if the person eating it uh, had lost their appetite because of, and he listed four different diseases, one of them being cancer. And they had barely been able to eat for six months and they were wasting away. And one day they woke up and they had a craving for McDonald's. Would you say it's healthy then? And we were like, whoa, like it really, right. It's like, we're learning all this extreme stuff about food and health and nutrition. And his point was meet people where they are, right? Mm. Diagnose the patient, not the disease. Like, do I want my patients eating McDonald's? No, but if they haven't eaten anything and they have had no appetite and for the first time they have an appetite and they go, I want a burger and fries from McDonald's. You don't go, oh, well that's terrible. Okay. All right. Give me a second. You okay? I can't. Tell you, I can't tell you how many times, and I and I went through it with my mom, and then my dad. Um, there was such a lack of appetite, and they couldn't eat, or they would throw up. So every time, uh, uh, something would cross their mind, they had a hankering for something. It was my utmost pleasure to go out there and make it and get it. And and then the heartbreak when they couldn't eat it. Ugh. Eat that fucking burger. Let him have a cigarette. You know, let them have that bottle of wine. I'm sorry. It just really... Absolutely. And, and so, yes. Um, yes. Yes. All right, I'm going to step away. I'm going to let you talk. It's okay. Yeah, breathe and 
It's okay. I, I, I understand. I mean, these things are very painful and difficult. And um, one of the things that I often say to people uh, when they first come into my clinic is I, one of the biggest questions I first ask people is how flexible, how open are you to dietary changes? Or sometimes people walk in and they tell me I'm not going to change my diet. And I won't spend a lot of time convincing them. What I say is food is a very complex issue. It is generally the most important key to health. And I'm going to tell you that as your, as your physician, that, that diet's extremely important, but because it's so complicated and heavy, it is typically one of the last things I talk to people about because usually you have to create a path to get there. Um, because food, especially in this culture has become so intertwined with our ability to cope and our emotional well-being in unhealthy ways our diets have become our deaths um oh i i fervently i I, absolutely every occasion and celebration uh every every emotion at least that's just how i operate and if you don't operate in that way well you're fucking nuts if if food is not a part of of your life well for example my son um he has my oldest has this incredible ability to to look at food as fuel because uh, he goes through these spells where he's uh he'll compete in body natural bodybuilding competitions and he will eat the same thing every 2 hours unseasoned brown rice maybe tilapia chicken uh the the broccoli large large quantities throughout the day and it's fuel to him and that is just bonkers to me like the relationship that i have to food it could be like borderline uh sexual that's how much you know I can can be passionate and, and ha- crave something and uh, understanding where those connections come from and breaking those those thought patterns and, and habits. Um, I can't wait to get there. Well, I want to tell an anecdotal story because I think that that really brings up an interesting thing. When I was in um, when I was in med school and a lot of the people that I went to school with were Asian and Korean a lot of Korean people actually, some Chinese people, a couple Japanese people, but a lot of Korean people in my area that I went to school with. And at lunchtime, on any given day, this was in Santa Monica, so you could eat outside, there were lots of tables, you know, it's just the culture there. Most people went to cafes, like most of the white people. Uh, we, We would go to cafes, we would eat in class or whatever, but every single day for four years, And I became more and more aware of it as I became more and more aware of the holistic way of thinking and looking at life and everything. All the Asian folks, the Korean folks, the Chinese folks, the Japanese folks, they all would bring essentially bento boxes and different little containers of food, soups and rice and vegetables and kimchi and all their stuff. And they would every day sit outside together and they would open up all their containers and they would sit outside without their phones and they would talk and they would eat together. And it was such a cultural split and such a cultural divide that 
it, to this day, the one thing in my own home that I hate the most about being a single parent is that because I have to do everything, my kid has to eat by himself. And because of that, he tends to eat in front of his iPad. I absolutely, I hate it. It is one of the worst things I am doing as a parent and I can't wait to, for it to change. I can't wait. And I'm already starting to change it with him because he's getting old enough now that he can come in and he can help me build recipes and do things. And he wants to, but it's food is, is it's not just the eating of it. It's not just the nutrients of it. It's meant to be an emotional, social experience. And we've lost it. We've lost it to watching television, to being on our phones, to eating alone, to making it be this technical scientific thing that we do. Like, and I'm not trying to be depressing here, but I really, it, it our culture is very depressing to me. <laughs> it is. And, and uh, to do the things that, that we would have to do, um, it sounds like we would be breaking up with a relationship. I would be breaking up with my phone or my habits if I actually sat down with my son and ate like what other people do. <laughs> um, I, I would it would take a lot of difficult it would it's a, a breakup of a lot of habits um to, you know the uh I, I identify with the whole single mom thing how often do you stand up eating in front of the kitchen sink you know yeah it's I, for me it's a real focus because when you're eating together and when you're cooking together you're you're not just nourishing your body with nutrients you're nourishing your soul you're you're connecting it's and just watching those students and teachers who would all eat together you could see it you could feel it you know i think it's like you were talking about easter and like how those dinners and it's like that's what we do at the holidays now and even then people do it too fast but it's that connection my best memories are of with my mom uh, when she was cooking and baking with me and I try to do that with Cooper and he has no interest uh, the all the best memories are surrounded by us having dinner with it could be upwards of 70 maybe 80 people in in the basement wow. of my grandmother's house or th those couple times when we all got together to slaughter chickens and then each female head of the household who had helped in that butchering process you know at the end of the day they walked home with their share of the you know that's what I want to do I want to create that experience those are some of the best things well, you go back like uh, uh, monarchs on here although he's on here is like monarch hikes or something I think he's on his other account but when you go back in history and I mean way back you know because we've been industrialized for what a hundred plus years now or so 150 years or so throughout the, the the history of human human beings neanderthals and you know, the rest of what they're finding now all of human history was around food we would work during the day do what we had to do to get the food and then what was the best part of the day it was sitting around the fire it was being together. It was ke keeping warm and eating our food together. It was it was the it was the, the the bounty. And I bring up Monarch because one of the things that that um, one of the reasons I met him is that um, he hikes. 
And he hiked the Pacific mm-hmm. Coast Trail, which if you don't know what that is, you should absolutely look it up and you should read the book Wild by um, Cheryl Strayed. It's an amazing book that you will absolutely adore and love. Mm-hmm. And what I love about hiking and camping, and I grew up in Michigan where I was exposed to a lot of that, is that it brings you back to that basic, like what we really do as human beings. And it really is about connecting around a fire with food. Like that's how we feel whole. And so these ways that we've become so separated around food, that's why I say food really is the root. It's, it's yes, all these technical things, but at the end of the day, it's being with people, it's sharing experience, it's sharing the bounty, it's connecting. And then it, you would be amazed if you could see, there have been studies, I've read them, I can't quote any of them because it's been many, many years since I've read them, but the studies of what happens physiologically to our bodies when we are eating with other people, and talking with other people, we absorb nutrients better. Our, our blood pressure goes down, our heart rate goes down, our mood is lifted, like we're healthier. <laughs> I, I, I have yeah. a, a quick story. I had an interesting job where I worked at the Hershey Tech Center <laughs> where they develop new Hershey products. That was fascinating and I have stories in and of itself. But during that time, it afforded me the opportunity to read a book. And I read the history of Mm. food and how wheat has changed its nutritional properties and how we've done that through industrialization. A, a pharmaceutical product and not a food. Yep. And it is food is a shadow. If you believe in God, this world is not what God had intent. You could go there if you choose. Well, um, but I, I just feel the human contact with interfering then with the natural process is causing dis-ease in our world beyond what we can conceptualize. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Whatever it is that you call God, you could call that nature. You could call that Allah. You could call that. Uh, there's words for it. There's concepts for it. But I think when you get down to it, what we're talking about, when we're talking about communing with food, it's not just communing with other people, it's communing with the earth because the earth is what gives us this food. I don't care if it's plant, animal, you know. Absolutely. And and the, uh, when you think of, <clears throat> when you think of what is, is needed to survive and when you dissolve its nutrients, um, the way we flood and we manage storm water in our communities. Um, and then we have dead zones in oceans that are man-made that affect the, the fishing population. We have, it's, swirls, we have swirls, we are swirls of garbage in the ocean that are the size of Texas. Yeah, and if you don't think that has a daily impact on our dis-ease, convince me otherwise. No, convince me. Yeah, and this is why I would love Cooper to get into the packaging industry 
you know, if I have a way of manipulation, I want him to get it, uh, become an engineer so we can do something about, you know, what we need, I, I mean, and I know that this is it, to some extent fantasy. It's a very simplistic way to solve this problem in my own mind. But I think what we really need are for the majority of human beings, uh, specifically in the United States and probably in China as well to stop working for corporations, to just straight up put their shit down and just stop and, and go home mm-hmm. and start planting gardens and force change. I, I know it doesn't work that way. I know it's not gonna happen, but we're never gonna like industrialize our way out of this problem. Honey, if I can just tell you why I don't think I can work for another corporation the the human cost of what it takes um for somebody to make money uh it, it it's too it's too much for me to be under the umbrella of um i have to take money from somebody's pocket i'm i'm in i'm in somebody's back pocket and i'm in agreement with this process of manipulating somebody or taking advantage of, of a situation what kind of industry would that look like I, I i can't think i can't think of anything other than a nonprofit that that i could get behind and for that reason yeah i want to have this silly little farm and and think of whatever ways i can it's do that silly. it's not silly i mean uh, yeah, I don't. I definitely don't have the answers at all. I, I, there's too. Many. Why can't like you? I'm sure you can't see yourself working for somebody. Um, I could see myself working for somebody, but definitely not in a corporate structure anymore. I, I did that. I I walked that path. I was absolutely capable and successful, and I could have had great quote unquote success, meaning a bigger and better, better title. I made a lot of money. I had a lot of perks. I traveled. I had an American Express card. I had a car. I had a computer. I had a phone. I had health insurance. I had all the things and I was making a good amount of money and I was being groomed to do more. And for, you know, for better, what happened to me was it was destroying my soul. I was becoming an ugly, angry, worn out shell of a human being. And who works in that environment that is comfortable with a lot of people that and a lot of people are just walking around eating and drinking and smoking and going through the motions of what they call life. And, you know, and other people, other people are able to compartmentalize it and good for them. That's great. I mean, I'm so glad I'm not, I'm a passionate person. I live from my heart. I am driven by my heart and soul and my passion. And so whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to do fully. And so corporate life almost killed me because anybody who's worked for a corporation knows it doesn't matter how good you do. It's never enough. Okay. It's great. It's never enough. I I literally Um, worked myself to the bone and and I still knew that there more and more and more and more and more, but that's a part of why they wanted to promote me. That's a part of why, even though I was a female, and I wasn't a demure female, I still did well because I could produce for them and they could see in me 
someone who would work myself to death. And I let me tell you, I looked around the last corporation I worked for, every single person who had been there for 20, 30 years had gout, had diabetes, was direly overweight, <laughs> smoked, um, was miserable, was angry. I mean, every person, I didn't know one person, one man was on dialysis and he would switch between dialysis and work. And oh my God, I mean, every person, every person, they were mm-hmm. broken people. I, I, I completely agree. And that my question is, can you go through life without, uh, can you work, go through life finding a job that you're always happy at? Is it necessary to always do a shitty job until you eventually find something that you like? I don't think there's one answer to that because I think that goes back to the differentiation piece. Like we're all different and we all have different roles to play in this world and in this life. But I think for those of us like myself, I wasn't capable of sustaining that lifestyle. And luckily I had a husband at the time who yeah. saw it and he, he told me, you, you have to quit this job. Like if you don't quit this job, I'm divorcing you. And my husband never said stuff like that. Never. Um, Where, have you been involved with people who, who had a corporate lifestyle that uh, it was a more favorable yeah, experience than yours? Yes. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. I've but the, but in my course. line right. of work and what I do and, and where my life has taken me, I meet a lot of people who are like me, who used to do that and who left and who will never go back. Okay. And so I think to answer your question, I think you should always try to pursue what it is that makes you happy. I think the trick is that most people live in fear and they don't have the kind of feedback or support or voice in their life to support them and to help them shift from fear into love for themselves and to understand that what might seem impossible is possible. And so I think a lot of people tend to go towards the fear, which is the fear of not eating, the fear of not having a home, the fear, right? The fear of failure. And so they, that's what corporate life is. They, 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 yeah. Okay. How are we going to... Cooper and Kai, how are we going to uh, mm-hmm. teach this to our kids? Well, the way that that's their decision to make, but how, how do we um, expose them in a way to a, a balanced reality? Yeah. Um, and then say here, it's 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 your decision to make your own path and, and what, what, what side of the road do you Well, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I can certainly tell you what I'm doing because I'm very aware of the world that my son is growing up in. And I'm very aware of the lies that I was told as a child, which they didn't know they were lies. You know, my parents, they were boomers. They were telling me what they thought was best. Um, and I think they did. I think they gave me their best, but I know where the lies were in that. And um, one thing I am not going to do with my child or that I don't do, I don't prioritize things. And that's hard because he, because things are everywhere. (laughs) You know, I want the newest toy. I want, I want this new video game, you know, whatever it is. And so I, I 
purposefully, and this is just who I am. So that's one thing I do. I don't talk about other people's stuff. I don't talk about, I don't make things a competition. Oh, well, their house is really tiny or they drive a really crappy car or I don't talk that way. That's, I don't think that way. So that's one thing I'm very aware mm -hmm. of how I talk on a daily basis about what's valuable. Okay. So to me, what's okay. valuable is how do you feel and how, and are you able to express those feelings? I mean, I can't tell you, we talk about our feelings and how to express them constantly. The other thing I talk to him about is, um, you know, um, how he feels in his body. Like we talk a lot about, it's the same things I talk about on TikTok, taking care of yourself, loving, yourself, knowing yourself. We, we, we talked about the penis today. Um, Ronald, the dog well, had a little, red, <laughs> little red rocket. So I, um, Cooper asked what that was and and I said, well, you know, he get when he gets that funny feeling, you know, kind of like how when your penis gets well, H hard, blah, blah, blah. Um, I said, you know, that's the first time we ever, I had ever addressed it. But I had said, you know, like when, when your penis gets hard and he shook his head in acknowledgement, yes, he does know. So I have no evidence that 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 has happened i just know that it does happen to a, oh, a boy's body at some point yeah, yeah he's 100 had erections so, yeah. and he's 100 already masturbated now it doesn't mean in the sense of how we hypersexualize men's bodies but my son has been masturbating right. since he was two at least because i remember the first time i saw it and again i'm not talking in the way that we see in you know porn or something just touching yourself feeling mm -hmm. that that's really sensitive and going "Ooh, what's that you know and my son knows mm -hmm. that when he wants to do that, like, I don't even see him do it anymore because he knows if he wants to do that, he has to go do it alone. There's no shame in it. It's just not something you do with other people in the room. And I taught him that since he was two. So I definitely talk mm -hmm. about feelings. I definitely prioritize communication and feelings over things. And then the other thing that I do, I would say that's coming right to my mind is, um, or was until I just lost it because of my old mama brain is um oh like when we say when he says i want to be this or that like i don't talk about what do you want to be when you grow up in terms of a job if that does come up i also say mm -hmm. well do you want to how do you want to play what else do you enjoy like in whatever context it is i make what you want to be or what you want to do not about work I make it about what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to laugh a lot? Do you want to play in the ocean? Do you want to, you know, do you want to surf? Like, do you want to climb trees? Like we talk about the full human experience and not just work. At, Cause I, I, I'm sure this is true for you growing up. It's like, what do you want to be? Or like, even when we meet people, like we go on dates, it's like, well, what do you do? What do you, what do you do? What do I do? Well, I TikTok. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to do outside of the thing that you have to do? That never occurred to me to think, oh, I could kayak after work. That never occurred to me. You know, that there's stuff, I, there are activities and hobbies and, uh, you know, you could have a whole life outside of if you have to suffer at a job, 
you can still have this this beautiful flourishing life outside of that that was never I shouldn't say never it just wasn't developed and through childhood and that's so uniquely American you could have it's so uniquely American that we have Mm -hmm. been enslaved in our minds since we were children to think that that is what we are here for is to work and and anything else is extra but what happens is and you see it as people get older and older and older they just become their jobs and then even this concept of retiring I I find it so depressing And what happens when people retire in this country in in particular, they tend to die pretty quickly because there's what, what else is there? They haven't built a life. They, they don't know themselves. There's no inner life. There's no spiritual life. You know, it's, and I think a lot of this is circular when, how we started off talking about food and it's like, we're just all here for us. We have everything we have, we have everything and we're missing it. Why? Because we're making money for other people. And we're looking out on our one precious life, you know, it's, I'm not trying to be depressing. If anything, I think it should be uplifting and empowering, but it does require sacrifice and it requires sacrifice in a way that you have to give up things that might feel comfortable, but that really aren't serving you. So when you think, yeah, we we have have a couple couple minutes. minutes, I can talk for a couple more minutes. I was thinking of, um, well, if, uh, once I get a job, Cooper will have to enter, enter daycare. So just in and of itself, I'm getting a job to support another expense. And it's the the whole, uh, the process, well, again, we're doing it on a, on a single income. Um, it makes your job exponentially hard, but gosh darn it, if I didn't need daycare and if I didn't need the cell phone and the the internet bill and and all these other expenses what do I need I need food that I can grow in my yard and what am I going to need when I well I have canned food and uh, I don't need all these other things outside of myself and the the happiness of uh I mean, for me, I'm sure there's people who don't get any enjoyment in gardening and raising of, of animals and things like that. So I, I'm sure there's a, an, an enormous amount of people that wouldn't even find that fun. So they they they, they wouldn't find enjoyment I mean, but out of that type of lifestyle. Who, you know, when we were earlier on in our history as human human beings like in recent history not everybody was a farmer you had blacksmiths you had the leather worker you had the seamstress you had you know you had people who played all these roles for each other and we were this interconnected community where yeah like maybe you were born into something but maybe you had parents who said oh you want to be a farmer okay we'll go go farm with farmer jane down here you know yeah everybody doesn't um i i Man, I wish I knew the answers for all this. I get real overwhelmed by these conversations because I can see where we're wrong and I can see where we're sick. And I can see that this modern life that we have of working for other people and making money for the Jeff Bezos of the world, it truly. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way. There's no other. 
well, I don't system agree with that. has to I, exist. I totally fundamentally disagree with that. And I, you will never get me to say that out loud because that is not true. It's just on the base of it, not true. Like, and how do I know human history? Like what we're doing right now is so unprecedented. Okay. Is there, is there a country? There's so many things on on the planet that exist and and there are problems with those too. There's, but we have so much more now. Like, can you imagine a world where we all had the internet, right? And there was a sect of jobs where people maintained those systems on a physical level, like the the wiring and, and they maintained the computers, right? So you, you have some modern jobs that maintain things like electrical grids and because we light that's a powerful thing that changed the world being able to to have electricity um you know internet i think is how do we ever live without i mean if we could live without it but to, to be connected as a human species in the way that we are is amazing but it doesn't we can have those things and still have a greater society that exists in a more simple way we don't have to have amazon would you would you live here in America and struggle through uh, the difficulties as we progress as a nation, as opposed to moving to a different country who has a whole lot more of their shit together? You know, who is you know environmentally more more conscious and yeah, I just have a lot of things great to say about Norway. I- would you would you would you stay in America? I've looked at um, leaving, and the problem with leaving is like a lot of things these days. You have to have a lot of money to do it, or you have to marry into it, or something like that. Um, but if I had the choice, if I was able, I would leave this country in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Oh my and- gosh. You know what? You just pulled a fast one on me because... Can I tell you why? Wow. Holy shit. No, let me tell you something, girlfriend. One of our first engagements very early on in our TikTok relationship, um, I was joking about something about Canada and how I was like considering... uh, changing my citizenship and you were like no girl you got to keep trying like the something something is worth fighting for and I was like oh okay all right I was just joking anyway but I was like all right she's a cool chick I'm gonna just keep an eye on this girl a little bit further and you now you come at me with this shit you would leave in a heartbeat (laughs) I'm not you're a fucking lion Okay, I don't remember that conversation. Tell me I why. can definitely say this about myself. And I've told you this before. I, I can very much be a contrarian. And I can also shift what I'm thinking based on, on what's happening in the conversation. So depending on what's happening, let's say I'm in a conversation with someone and they're very cynical. And they're talking about, say, like, Black Lives Matter and social change. Like, I'm committed to that stuff. And I think it's important. And so my point is, is depending on context, I might take a different point of view because I often play devil's advocate I often am um, and in some moments I might feel different 
But on the whole, on the whole, I want to leave this country. One, it's not going to happen. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But if I were given the choice today, I would pack up my shit. I would leave everything behind, actually, and just take me and my son in a bag. And I would go because these corporate evils are trying to take over the world. And they're succeeding to a large part. But there are, we as a country are a real example for the rest of the world. The rest of the world sees what's happening to us. They see that we're killing ourselves with these, with the food, with what we're allowing to put in our food, with the drugs, um, with how we're living our lives, being enslaved by corporations, right? And in Europe, in most of Europe, vacation time is the law and you get paid for it. Paternity leave, maternity leave, these are the law. And there are problems. There are problems in all these places. But but these countries, the citizens are demanding and putting people into power who hold these standards accountable because they look at us and they go, we don't want to be that. And I want to be on that side of it because very selfishly from a very ego-based place, not from that more altruistic place that I think you, I don't remember that conversation, but I believe you completely. When I just look at my own selfish life and my son's life, of course I would rather go somewhere where we actually have values and morals that that are deeper than money. Absolutely. But that's selfish. That's totally selfish. And No, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I I I, <clears throat> I was just questioning my own boundaries and patriotism myself. Um when we had that exchange, because I was half joking, but since then, because this was a, quite a long time ago, since then our country has gone through so much. And um, I would I would not leave anything out of my future. <laughs> and I, I, do, I, I, I echo everything you say. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, yeah, I'm just glad yeah, the conversation I think that, went in that, in that I direction. guess my hope deep down, because um, I did a TikTok about this a while ago. It was a super viral TikTok where I talked about um, fascism and um, how this country has been overtaken by fascism. Um, and that I had been doing this social justice work and I'd been socially aware and awake um, since uh, the late 90s, mid to late 90s. That was when I started my my work in school. And so I kind of became aware through reading and, um, you know, studying. Um, I had a lot of vigor then I was in my twenties and I was in, you know, I was, if you'd asked me if I would leave, I'd be like, hell no, like I'm going to save this country, (laughs) you know, but since then I've become kind of crushed and watching what's happening now is like fascinating to me because it's seeing Right. It's like when you know that the root is rotted, but the fruit at the top is still good. And that when I discovered all this stuff in my 20s, I wasn't the only one. There were a ton of people who've written books and, you know, have based their whole life. But the root has been rotting for a while in this country. And a lot of people have been aware of it. But most people have been living on the surface where the fruit is. And it's like, this is good. This is good. We got money. We got jobs. We're the best. Go USA, number one. And then there was this whole other group of people on, on, on the sub level who were like, no, this is shit. And we were silenced. 
and we were forced into academia and it's like not heard in the mainstream. And now, now here we are 25 years later since I became awake and we're talking about all the things I studied in school, how bad racism is, the corporate control, how media is so corrupted, how our food, you know, all this stuff. And so for me, in a way it's satisfying, but it's also, there's the real life pain of it and seeing, but my hope is that the pain of it and this crumbling and this transition, that it will lead to something more like what we're talking about and something more like what these 45ers, I don't know what to call them, but these people who are so afraid of socialism as a concept and taking care of one another and living in harmony and like, my hope is that this is all going to burn and crumble to the degree that we get real and we just we we come back to some of these values and we start rejecting these big corporations and we say yeah everybody does deserve health care and everybody does deserve food i mean you can be rich af and we're going to get to the point it doesn't matter how much money you have if there's not clean water in the world there's not clean water in the world money is not going to save anybody you know Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, sometimes when I think this could be a dangerous train to go down, so you might have to help control this, this conversation. Um, but when, when there is a big push to not allow you to do something or to, to not provide you with information, um, there's, it, it's in that, that reason of, okay, why don't, why don't corporations want to, or, or why are, are they, uh, okay, let me. It's big. This stuff is big. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, maybe you might have to take over cause I'm afraid I'm going <laughs> to say something I'm going to imp- No, this is big stuff. I mean, I think probably for me, I think I've probably gone as far in this conversation as I can go. Not because I couldn't continue to talk about it. I could, but I can feel in my brain and in my body this kind of fatigue because it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to digest. And, And I think where I always come to when I have conversations like this or because we started this whole thing off talking about food because I was talking. Mm-hmm. I would like uh, we. I think we've talked about food enough, and I, I for the for the last few minutes I have of your time, I want to talk about the silliness of you're just not like an animal person for for nothing, like just another beating heart for you to take care of is just. Are you talking about that? Ain't that ain't your bag? Is that true? Yeah, is that true? You're, you're just not a dog person. Oh no, I love animals. Is that right? Just like I love kids. Do I want to take care of them and pick up their poop and be responsible for them? Hell no. And, and let me tell you why. Okay. No, that's not true. I love animals. See, that's somebody who doesn't love animals. Let me tell you why, because this is really a boundary (laughs) for me. And I've, and I've seen this with other people. Who are, <gasps> okay. 
this is your story. I know this is why I'm confessing. I have a story Uh about you. So my story is you told me blah, blah, blah. And my story is, I just told you my story in my head of you. So wait, what? Thank you for what's your story. Tell me your story real quick. And then I'll tell you my, my truth and why I have a backwards animals. Yeah. My, well, my, my story of you is exactly what I just said, that you're somebody who you don't love animals. You don't. And all of that, of what I just said, that's your story. You don't love animals. You don't care if they're in your life. That was my story of how yeah. I interpreted your relationship with animals. And when you say you love animals, I'm like, well, love means I want to have them in my life 24 seven. And I accept that responsibility of picking up their poop. You can't, to me, you can't love an animal unless you accept all of those right. there's circumstances. Only one, there's only one, one way to love. Um, so first of all, let me, so first yeah. of all, let me tell yeah, you this. That's me. That's from my the time that I was born until I was 20 years old. No, until I was 18 years old. So birth to 18 years. So for the first 18 years of my life, I always had a dog, a cat, or a couple of cats for the first 18 years of my life in my household. Between the ages of 20 to 22, so for two years, I had no animals. And then at 22, I got a cat. I had her for 17 years until the day she died from a few weeks after she was born, you know, like when they can actually be taken by someone until she died at 17 years old. In between there, I also had a couple of other cats, one that ran away, um, uh, one that got eaten by a coyote. And and then even up until the last two years, just this last year, I had two cats. So I, so other than two years of my life, I have always had, I've always had animals, mostly cats and a couple of dogs, always had them. And what, the reason I don't have animals now is because I have a child and I have no spouse and I have no partner and I am responsible fully for a child and myself. And I find that overwhelming. I am not taking good care of myself right now. I'm doing okay, but I have trouble just maintaining a regular sleep schedule right now because of COVID. I I am not eating with my child in the way that I want to. Like there are basic fundamental things about my life. So for me to take on an animal, for me, I am very aware of the energy that that takes and the focus and attention. Like that animal deserves my love and attention. That animal deserves to have its poop box cleaned out properly and to have good mm-hmm. food. And I know I can't do that. And I know that I won't do that. I know that I'm going to, you know, and then I'm just going to feel more scattered, more guilty. Like I'm not. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it would feel like if I didn't have the chaos of an animal. Oh my God. You just, you just gave me, I, I'm like manifesting. The my reason own that this is true for me, Sam, chaos. is that, um, and this is where everything is a blessing and a curse. Everything is right. There's good and bad in everything. And because I grew up with so much emotional chaos and people who just, <laughs> I felt scattered, you know, I, I could never find up or down. 
my focus in life became about finding my center and about being just okay, just being okay. And the only way to do that was to constantly be honest with myself and come back to myself. And, you know, and, and so when I talk about boundaries and all these things that I talk about all the time, self-love and boundaries, th this is not a tagline. These are life foundations that I have put in place and I apply them to everything to absolutely. I would love to have animals. I would love it, but you know what I would need? I would need um, a community that I live in, that I'm a part of. I would need a, a partner or a spouse, someone to help me raise my child. I would need family. Like I would need a life to back. I know. Thinking, I'm thinking like, I, I, how am I going to have a fucking oh, no, goat no, no, no. or go what you're going to create ever. a community. That's what you're doing. And here's the other thing. When you don't have family, because I want to validate your experience and I don't know it and I don't want to speak for it, but I do have to go because I got to pee. Um, I may stand the live though. I may do a dual live or something, but, but I know you, but, but no, animals, I'm gonna listen, <laughs> if an animal gave me, I think to your point about, do I love animals? Sure. I love animals, but I, for my life experience, it's a different thing. I, I require other things to be happy. Yes, animals create chaos and all kinds of other stuff, but damn it, Sam, do they bring you love and joy? Do you feel a sense of connectedness and support because of those animals? Like my sister loves dogs. She loves dogs. She has pit bulls. They bring her joy. They are important for her being. They always have been. And she always has a dog and that's important to her. She needs that wonderful follow your bliss follow your mm -hmm. truth but then recognize that that is something that takes energy and and so if you can't go do x y and z don't be pissed about that understand that you're making a choice and make the right choices for you right so for me an animal is not something that i'm willing to spend energy that i need on other other things for me are more important it's not that i don't love animals it's not that i wouldn't love to have one i just know what my limits are personally and I don't get enough enjoyment out of it because yeah, like I told you, I'm a passionate person. I want to give every, I don't want my pet to feel lonely. <laughs> so we're all different, you know, don't get down on yourself. You're, you're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I wanted to, I don't know why I thought this, that we would, I was really hoping we could have a lighthearted conversation and we could end on like some.